All right. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to begin in verse 1. So, Paul says, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be, not, I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Heavenly Father, as Pastor Randy comes forward, just give him the words to deliver from your mouth to our hearts and open our minds and hearts to hear and learn from you today. Amen. All right. Amen. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and dismiss the kids and the teens if you're ready to go back to the back. Eric will take the teens. Uh, I believe Miss Kenya is taking the kids and... Uh, you guys are all set, and let's check out this intro video as we get started with the sermon. All right, well, thanks for joining us, and I'm excited to continue in our message series entitled The Journey, What You Need and What You Need to Leave Behind. Thanks for being here and being a part of things. So in February of 2020, there was a man in a place called Twinburg, Ohio, and his name is Dan Kane. And on that day uh, in February of 2020, he received 79 boxes full of mail. See, what had happened was this guy had accidentally been put into a database incorrectly. And so the student loan company started sh you know, shooting out these letters to him and sending them to his house. He received 55,000 copies of the same envelope and the same letter all at his house at one single time. And so as he walked in towards his house, he saw trucks from the United States Postal Service unloading these boxes, 79 in total, with these letters for him all addressed to him all the same, and yet 
he had to decide, okay, do I go through every one or do I throw them all away or whatever it might be? Can you imagine? All because of a little clerical error, everything kind of shifted in his life for a moment. It was just a perfect story that reminds me of how many times we have in our lives these things that are just inundating us and flowing into our world and flowing into our mind and flowing into our lives, even if we don't ask for them to come in. It's just a perfect example of how easy it is for just the smallest change to be something that does us to a, gets us to a place where we just simply can't keep moving forward because it's just overwhelming and too much. Now, have you guys reached that point at least once or twice in the pandemic, right? Where it's like, don't change another thing. Don't change another opinion. Don't change another mask policy. Don't change another thing. I just can't take it anymore. Have any of y'all been there at least once in the pandemic? I think we've all been there at least once. Maybe you're there now. I don't know. Whatever. But here's the thing. The truth of the matter is, is that in our lives, we have a ton coming at us. But can we just understand very quickly that just because it's coming into our lives doesn't mean we have to live, let, a place, uh, let it find a place there and it doesn't have to become a permanent part? I would just say that I'm going to be trying very hard in this message series to keep it really, really basic and really, really plain because... I think for most of us, we got so much coming at us that it feels overwhelming and we just tend to throw our hands up and say, I'm not even going to start dealing with this because it's just too much. Well, here in this message series called The Journey, I think it's so important for us to remember some of the things that I'm going to be sharing with you. And I lean heavily today on David Jeremiah's book, uh, specifically chapter three in this book. If you're wanting to go a little deeper, if you want to really do some homework, you can do that by simply grabbing one of these types of this copy of book and listen to the book on audio, read it or whatever it might be. Today, I'm sharing from chapter three, including that story. But more than anything, I'm preaching from the life of Paul who had an amazing verse of scripture that is our one to remember. If you remember only one verse, if you leave with only one verse that you're going to say, you know, I'm going to make that a, a part of my memory. I'm going to make that a part of my own life. This is it. This is one of my favorite verses of scripture from Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. And he basically says, Paul says, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of the things that I'm striving for. Uh, he says it, but that's what he's talking about. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In the King James Version, he says there, I press on toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, your life, my life, is designed by God to make a difference. It's not just simply to survive, it's not just simply to consume like this world is telling us, and it's not just to simply kind of go through the things that are inundating our lives, whether it be billboards or social media posts or the things that are going on on your, you know, your phone or your TV or any of those other things. That's not the point of your life. Your life is supposed to make an impact and he has a high calling. And I'm just going to tell you very quickly, I think a lot of the time whenever people hear preachers preach about this stuff... They think to themselves, I'm never going to be a preacher, so what's the high calling? I'm never going to be a missionary or a youth pastor or even a musician. What's the high calling? Every single one of us has a calling and it is different. And if I were called to be something else, I would be doing less than what God wants me to do if I chose to preach. Let's not get this twisted in our heads. 
you doing what God has called you to do, whatever that is, is the highest calling that you can ever have in your life. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to do these kinds of things to be fulfilling your destiny that God has given you and be on the journey that God wants you on. So don't get it twisted. Don't be like, well, that's important for him because he's a preacher. No, no, no. That's important for Randy Puckett because I'm a follower of Christ, period. And by the way, I could be a good preacher or pastor and be a terrible follower of Christ if I'm not very, very careful. And so let's not get that twisted either, because the truth is it's not about what we do, it is about who we are. And this is the journey that God has called us to be on. Are you guys with me so far? Can I get an amen? Amen? Okay, so let's keep moving here and let's go to this. We've talked a little bit about trying to make this very, very practical. These are the ways that you can make some things in your life become a different story in 2022. It is 22, right? I almost want to say 23. I don't know. It feels like 25 years have passed in the last two years, uh, and yet it's also been about 20 months at the same time. I have no idea what's going on. Anyway, all said and done, these are the ways that 2022 can be different than the last couple of years, following God's plan, overcoming complications and complacency, aiming, which is being intentional in your plan and your goal. That's the goal, what you're heading towards, but also the plan and how to get there. Learning, and this is important for many of us, we want to grow in competence, but we don't want to grow in character. And most of the time, God doesn't send something into your life until you have the character to withstand and sustain it. So that's very important. You continue to grow in competence, but you also grow in character. Very important. And then service. We talked about service last week, doing something for the benefit of others. Now this week, I want to talk about overcoming complications, complacencies, limitations, and some of the obstacles that we've got in our own lives. And to be frank, in our own personalities that are keeping us from doing the things that God would have us to do. So let's go on forward here to this something to learn. So this something to learn is something that Eric just read a minute ago. And just let me kind of share it with you. Did you hear on there the thing that kind of jumps out if you kind of just casually listen or if you casually read is you see that Paul says, I had a thorn in the flesh and God, I asked him three different times for him to just take it away from me so I didn't have to deal with this thorn in the flesh anymore. Now, real quick, hit pause. How many of you have ever heard of the thorn in the flesh? Y'all have ever heard of the thorn in the flesh? By the way, that's not your spouse. I just want you to know that. It's also not your kids. You're welcome. That's, that's worth just coming for, okay? But no, it's not your spouse. She or he is not the thorn in the flesh, and neither are your children. Now, if they are, then you need to kind of tackle something else and go to a little deeper. But the truth is, is that Paul faced a thorn in his flesh. Now, I personally have a very um, convinced viewpoint on what that is. And I'm going to share it with you. I'm going to talk with you about it. And I'm going to try my very best to apply it. It doesn't necessarily mean that I've got to be perfectly right, but maybe you can take this and use it in a way where you can see how it would apply. But Paul faced a personal issue that frustrated him deeply. He referred to it as his thorn in the flesh. His problem may have been his eyesight after being struck blind on the Damascus road. Here's what I think. I think as I look at the preponderance of the things that I see in the New Testament, I believe that the problem that Paul faced here was that he was a person who struggled with his eyesight from the point of being knocked down on the Damascus Road all the way to the end of his life. That's my own personal opinion. I'll show you why in just a few moments. 
But let me just share this with you. Whether that's it or if it's something else, I don't know. But what I will say is, everybody got something, right? I mean, that, that's how we say it in Oklahoma. Everybody's got something. I don't know what yours is. I know what mine is, but everybody got something. Can I get an amen? I mean, everybody got something that, that's trying to pull them away from what they ought to be. And I don't know what yours is. You better know, or you will get waylaid with that, by the way. And so here's what I'd say. Paul had something. And he was a very, very, very holy man. He actually was St. Paul. None of us are up for sainthood, last I checked. Not this guy, not any of y'all, right? So if it happened to him, it will happen to me. And it will happen to you. It's something that you've got, that you have, that's pulling you away. And you might think to yourself, well, God, if you just take this away, I'd really be something. <laughs> you know, God, if you just take that out of there, then I wouldn't have many problems. Now, just think about this for a second. If I am right about Paul, if I am right about my theory, can you imagine being the Apostle Paul and going from place to place and unfamiliar city to unfamiliar city and getting on ships and going places where you just can't see well enough to know exactly what's going on and you're going to all these unfamiliar places, it's rough. And can you imagine Paul's conversation with God? God, you know this. I'm giving everything I got here. I'm willing to give my whole life, and you know that. Why don't you just take this thing that's keeping me from being my very best away and take it out of my life so I can do my very best for you? Can you just imagine how much easier it would have been for Paul to be a guy who saw perfectly versus a guy who did not? Totally different, totally much, much easier road. But what did God in his infinite wisdom decide? He said, nah, I'm just going to leave it there. That's God in the New Texas version if you needed to know, all right? Nah, I'm just going to leave it there. Because every time I take something away from someone, they begin to think they've got it all figured out. And they don't rely on me and my power quite as much. So nah, I'll just leave it there. And my grace will be sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in, do you remember the last line? Weakness. Now, we in our modern world think that it's all about strength. God says, no, it's not about your strength. It's about my strength being made perfect in your weakness. And let me tell you again, everybody got something. The reason you got something and the reason I got something is because without it, we might think we have it all together. But with it, we remember that we're about that close to being in a mess unless we keep on relying on God. Can I get an amen? Amen. So if you got something and you think it'd be better without it, I'm just going to tell you, the likelihood is you're going to get rid of some things, but a lot of things you won't. And a lot of things you will just work through. There's a great leadership principle. There's a great teaching principle. There's a great marriage principle that's summed up in the words of Andy Stanley. He says, some things are a problem to be solved, and some things are just simply an issue to be managed. You and I may be managing a certain sin in our life until the day we die. And if that's true, the good news for you and for me is, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Praise God, that is true.
All right, let's go to this next slide very quickly. Here's what I would show you for my point that Paul might have had problems with his eyes from the Damascus Road issue all the way to the end of his life. First of all, let me say this passage of Scripture that they're talking about here in 2 Corinthians that Eric read just a moment ago. Did you hear what he said? I was given a vision. And in that vision, I was caught up into the presence of God. And I heard basically, I'm just going to paraphrase it here. I heard angels singing and everything was beautiful. But then I came down from that vision and I was given a thorn in the flesh. So I think as I see it on the surface, Paul is connecting the vision of him being caught up into heaven with this thorn in the flesh being given to him kind of simultaneously. I don't know if that's perfectly true, but I believe that it does have some credence. And then you look at Acts chapter 9, verse 8 and 9, and you know, as Paul was then called Saul, he was heading towards Damascus, and the bright light came from heaven, struck him blind, and he heard a voice from heaven, just like he's talking about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He gets knocked on the ground from the donkey that he was riding on. He got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he couldn't see anything. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days, he was what? Blind. Go on to this next slide, and you can see here, this is what I believe. If you look and see a little bit deeper, you know that the letters that Paul wrote to the churches and to the people that he knew he wrote those, and they often had names like where they were from, like the Thessalonican church or the Galatian church. And as he wrote these, as you look a little deeper, look what he says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 11. He says, see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Now, have any of you guys noticed this about me recently? About three years ago, I didn't have to have one of these. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. For some of you, you wonder why I don't come up here with a Bible. I'm going I'm, I'm to let you behind the curtain. Y'all ready? We'll pull back the curtain a little bit because that's 18-point type, and I can see that without my glasses. Amen? I know. You, you're thinking I'm very vain, and you know you're probably right. I'm a lot more vain than I want to be, but I'll tell you this. If I'm going to see your faces, then I can't have these on. But if I want to see this in 10 or 12 or 13 point type, I got to have these on. Can I get an amen? Anybody like that with me? All right, some of y'all are old. That's, I'm sorry, you're old. You know how I know? Because I'm old. <laughs> this used to not be a problem when I was in my 40s, right? So here is the truth for all of us. We have something going on. And can you imagine having that healed? And here is Paul what large letters I use to write with you when I write with my very own hand. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. And then in Thessalonians, he says, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is the distinguishing mark in all my letters. This is how I write. Can you imagine somebody who doesn't see very well grabbing a pen, uh, not a new pen, but a stylus, dipping it in ink and saying, write your name, write your letter, sign this letter that you're sending it's from you. I've, scribed, I've been the scribe. I've taken it down. I've been your secretary. But write it, sign it so they know it's from you. And the signature, we do this every day, right? We know this is just normal stuff. And so Paul says, this is how I write. <laughs> Can you imagine the large letters that he writes with his own hand? You see why I think this is probably having to do with his eyesight? And so you go a little further. Let's go to our next slide. And this, I believe, brings us to the big idea that life's limitations can derail us, 
define us or push us towards God dependence. I'm going to say that one more time and then I'm going to ask you guys to share it and say it with me. Life's limitations derail us, define us, or push us toward God dependence. Can you guys say it with me? Life's limitations derail us, define us, or push us towards God dependence. It's your choice. It's my choice. And this is important for us to know that this stuff is going to come your way. Living a great life and living a good life and living a godly life does not exempt you from problems. Can I get an amen? And they're going to find you. Not only do I know that everybody's got something, everybody's got something that's coming their way as well. Whatever that may be and whenever it may happen, I can't tell, but I will tell you something is coming your way. And in the midst of that, it will derail you, define you. You know what I'm talking about, derail you. You're just never the same. Define you. That's the thing that I have to talk about every single time I bring anything up in my life. Anytime I don't do what I know I can and am capable of doing, this is the reason that I don't do it. It's defining me from this point forward. This thing that has hit me and has become my thing. Or we can say, you know what? With God's grace, I'm coming through. I'm not perfect. I'm not all together. I'm not anything other than on this journey. See what I did there? See what I did there, right? The journey. I'm on the journey, just like you, just like me, just like all of us. And here's where I find myself. The more I depend on God, the better it all goes. The more powerful my life is and the more impact my life makes. This is what he's doing in our life if we allow him. Part of it is overcoming these obstacles. Very quickly, let's talk about, I'm going to talk about four obstacles in a very quick way about how we're going to overcome them. First of all, priorities that are included or not included or are out of order is one of the biggest obstacles that you and I have to overcome in our lives. Now, y'all follow with me here. Here's what I mean. How many of you guys, when you were growing up, maybe in elementary school, I mean, look, I wasn't at the best school in the whole world, so it may have been later for me. It seems like I was like maybe second or third grade or something. Maybe you guys were doing this in kindergarten or preschool because y'all went to a great school. I don't know. But did y'all ever do the word scramble thing? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where they took, and I don't know why it's word scramble because it's actually letter scramble. Have y'all noticed that? You know, when they put all the letters in different orders and you're like, what is that word? And you're like, uh, my Ojibwa? You know, like you don't know what it's called. You know, you just like phonetically sound it out. And they're like, no, put the letters in the right order and then tell me what it, oh, it's probably this. Y'all know what I'm talking about, word scramble. It should be letter scramble. Am I right? I say we sign a petition. I say we boycott, right? Here we go. Word scramble is now from ever and forever going to be letter scramble for this day. All right, anyway, here we go. How many of you see what the word is supposed to be? I kept it real basic. Even I figured this one out. I even figured it out by the third shot. Oja. Yeah, Joe. Or Joy. The word scramble. You guys with me? So don't miss this. Here's what you don't need to miss. Real and lasting joy only comes when your life priorities are all present and in the right order. Jesus, others, yourself. Here's what I mean. If it's others, then yourself, then Jesus, no, that's not it. If it's yourself, then others, then Jesus, no, that's not it either. If it's Jesus, then others, then yourself, then you will actually find joy. 
Here is the truth for all of us and for every one of us. If we don't have these three things in our life and we don't have them in the right order, we're not going to find joy. Now, I know that it sounds like I think I've got it all figured out, and I'm going to tell you I do. (laughs) But I'm going to also tell you I read the the cliff notes. (laughs) That's why I got it figured out. And I will also tell you I've tried it the other ways. And the truth of the matter is is that when I put myself first, it's a problem. Can I get an amen on that? Right? No, none of y'all ever done it? Oh, none of y'all ever done it? It's just me that put myself first? No, come on. Y'all know. You put yourself first, it's a problem. Amen? If you put others first and you try to please others with everything having to do with your life, man, that is exhausting and that doesn't work either. Can I get an amen on that? And can I tell you, others will let you down no matter how good they are, no matter how good their intentions, no matter how godly they are, they will let you down. Maybe they might not even mean to, but they will let you down. So if they are your first priority, you're in trouble. However, if it's Jesus, and then you live to serve and be a blessing to others, and then you find yourself at the end of the line, but really find that you're in a better state of mind than ever before, you realize that J, O, and Y is the exact letter, you know, That's the sinking of exactly what you are built and designed for. Same with me. It's Jesus, then others, then yourself. Let's go to this next slide very quickly. We talked about what a great life and a great church is made up of these five things. Now, I'm not here to tell you, but I will kind of give you a quick hint. The Pharisees in Jesus' day thought that there were 613 laws and rules that you were supposed to keep up with in the Old Testament. 613. And 13. Say that number with me on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. 613. How many of you got kids and know that by the time you get to the second one, usually they're lost already, right? And how many of you are like those kids? I mean, you can't remember the fourth or fifth thing in the long line, right? I want to be better than that, but I'm just not. And you want what Jesus said? Here's the truth. The first and greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And the second one is likened to it, love your neighbor as yourself. It's Jesus, it's others, it's yourself. And it's all wrapped up there. And he said, all of the Old Testament hangs on these two statements. Jesus made it super easy, except for it's still so incredibly hard, right? It's not that it's not hard to understand. It's not. It's not hard to understand. It's just hard to follow through and do. All right, very quickly, let's keep moving. (laughs) Excuse me. The second obstacle is personal limitations that we allow to limit us. Now, I'm just going to do a quick little survey here. I'm going to ask you again. I said it earlier, and I think you guys were with me, but now I want to see your hands. How many of you know that everybody's got something? Everybody's got something. So if we all agree then why do we allow me being just like you and you being just like me to derail or define what God has put in his destiny for us? Why in the world would we do that? Because we cease to depend on the God who made us. 
and we start looking around and that J-O-Y stuff gets all jumbled and the priorities get all mixed up and we can't find our spot. That's what's happening. So for us, we got to be very careful that we do not allow a personal limitation that you have or that I have or that Paul had to limit us from doing what God has put aside for us to do. Let's go to our next slide very quickly. Paul went on three missionary journeys. That means he went out three different times to go and start churches. One from Asia and Europe and all of these different things. He established at least 14 churches, at least three missionary journeys, at least two continents. And by the way, he was also imprisoned for at least approximately 48 months. That means Paul, who didn't come to know the Lord as a young kid, but in his later years in life and had only limited amount of life, he gave every bit of his life, including those four years where it would have been very easy for him to go, what am I supposed to do? I got thrown in jail because I followed the Lord's call on my life. I just did what he said, and here I am. I guess I just got to wait until I get out. How many of y'all know that that's not what he did? It's not what he did. What did he do? He said, it's not about me. I can't change this situation or circumstance that I'm in, but here's what I can do. I can still be outward focused. And so he started writing letters to friends and to the people in the churches that he had started. I'm going to write this letter to the church at Galatia. And now we know it as Galatians. I'm going to write this letter to the church at Colossae, the city of Colossae. And I'm going to send this letter to them. And now we know it as the letter to the Colossians. I'm going to write this letter to the church at Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. And now we know it as the letter to the Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. Can you imagine you getting put on the shelf for four straight years and it being totally out of your hands and the only thing that God does is just make you the author of Scripture? (laughs) Is that any good? I mean, is that any good? How does something like that happen? It happens whenever you say, it's not going to be, I just have let this derail me. You stay engaged, you stay involved, you stay on task. You grow in character even if you can't grow in competence. Because the truth of the matter is is that for all of us, sometimes when we get hit with something and we just want to sit down and stop, maybe lick our wounds, maybe feel a little sorry, maybe try to get somebody on the phone to tell us that it's not our fault, all that stuff feels good for a little bit of time. But how many of y'all know that that's a trap? That's a trap, man. And you will get stuck there and you will realize life has passed you. You've lost all kinds of momentum because that has happened to you and it didn't have to. So very quickly, let's keep moving here to our next slide from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. This is what I've mentioned a couple of times. This is what Eric read a little earlier. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it, that's the thorn, away from me. But he said... My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Let's go to this next slide as well. This third obstacle is TMI, too much information, 24-7. I already shared this with you guys. We have to be very diligent. We have to be very circumspect. We have to be very on guard for all the junk that comes into our lives 
that could easily derail us in a flow of 55,000 letters and 79 boxes of mail with only one being important. You guys with me? All right, I'm going to keep moving because I don't want to take too much time. (laughs) This is, how many of you guys know who this is? Warren Buffett? It's so funny. Um, I won't say who it is, but her name rhymes with Sabrina. Um, Yeah, so Sabrina is back there taking care of my slides, and she saw this early. And, uh, I mean, the person that I'm not going to mention her by name. (laughs) Um, She said, is that Warren Buffett or Buffet? And I was like, well, to be honest, like this body right here tells, tells you I'm more apt to listen to somebody named Buffet. Can I get an amen, right? So here's the truth. This is Warren Buffett. If you don't know who he is, he is the most successful investor probably in the world and in history. He is among the top 10 wealthiest people in all of the world. Here's what Warren Buffett says. This is something else, but I just got this picture. Here's what he said. He said, what you need to do is you need to write down 25 things that you want to see yourself accomplish in the next couple of years. He said, and then look through that list and pare it down to a top five. Basically, he said, crumple the 25, throw it away, and just focus on that top five. For most of us, the truth of the matter is, the problem for us reaching our goals is too many different directions on stuff that just does not really matter. Can I be honest with you? I love what I do. I love you guys. Y'all are a huge part of my life. And my heart is never going to be the same because of what God has done and what we are doing here together. But you know the thing that God actually placed me in charge of? Shelly, Tori, Taryn, and Tatum. Before he asks me what I did with EHC, you know what he's going to ask me? He's going to say, you brought that child into the world. Were you the kind of dad and father and Christian example? Did you love the wife that you promised to love and honor and cherish for your whole life? You promised that to me. Did you do that? That's what I have to give an account for first. For a lot of us, we're so busy chasing stuff that doesn't matter that we're missing important things that should matter a whole lot more. Thank you, Warren Buffet. All right, let's keep going. The fourth obstacle, very quickly, is the daily grind and the tendency to quit doing what is planned, positive, and effective. Listen, how many of you guys are terrible medical patients? Can I get an amen? Are any of y'all terrible patients like I am? You know why I'm a terrible patient? Because I will take your medicine that you prescribe to me until I feel better. And then when I feel better, I don't need to keep taking that medicine. I mean, it just happened magically. Had nothing to do with me actually following the plan and keeping on that plan. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know somebody like this? Are you married to somebody like this, right? You know what I'm saying. What I am talking about here, you know. You get on a plan and it starts working. But then you think, this is working. So why do I have to keep up with the plan? Then you stop the plan and then everything stops working. Then you go, how come it stopped working? 
Y'all know what I'm saying? What about this in your spiritual life? When you get with God and get close to God and you're walking with God and things start working. I'm not saying everything's perfect, but things start having the feel and the fingerprints of God on your life. And then you stop walking as closely to him. You can look back over the entire Old Testament. How many of you all know that basically the entire Old Testament is Israel getting close to God and then saying they don't need him. Then getting close to God and then saying they don't need him. And then repenting and getting back close to God. It's just like that, the entire Old Testament. And every time I want to be judgmental, I go, Randy, kind of your thing too. I think it's human nature. But here's what I would say. If you know what you need to do and you get started doing it, keep doing it. You see, the problem for me is not that I don't know how to lose weight or that I don't want to lose weight. The problem for me is I don't want to do anything that actually brings about losing weight. I want a great body, but I also want tacos. Can I get an amen? You see what I'm saying, right? So the problem is not that I don't have the right plan or the right way of doing it. It's that I stop doing what I know I need to do. Man, how many of y'all have ever told yourself, you ate good that one Monday, so the rest of the week, it is Katie bar the door. Here I go, right? So here's the truth. For all of us, we know what to do. We just want it to magically overtake us, and it doesn't work like that. Great lives do not happen accidentally. I'm going to give you all a chance to say amen here in a minute. Great minds do, or great lives do not happen accidentally. Amen. So true. It doesn't just happen. You've got to make that plan. You start seeing the positive, effective results, and you stay on that plan and keep moving. All right. I'm, I'm drawing close to an end here, but very quickly, I shared with you guys, here's what you need and what you leave behind. Here's what you need. You need an unapologetic view of your limitations. We all got it. But we need a plan and we need tools of how you will overcome those limitations. Here's what I mean. The thorn and the tools. Now, let me just say real quickly, tool is sometimes seen as a very, very negative thing. I'm not using it in a negative way. But here's what is amazing. If you know anything about Paul, he's type A to the nth degree. He could do it all himself, and if he could, he would, and he should. But God made him dependent on not only God, but also on other people. It's an amazing thing. And so when Paul starts to write a letter, he can't write the letter because he can't see. So what does he do? He grabs a coworker in Christ and says, can you write down the letter? I'll dictate it to you. You just write it down and I'll sign it at the end. Look, remember that Galatians passage we read just a minute ago? But look on this one from Colossians. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you. That implies to me that he didn't write the entire letter, but at the very end, he wrote his own greeting with his own hand. But then look at this. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter of the book of Romans, greet you in the Lord. What's going on? Paul is telling him as a secretary, please write down this. Say it this way. Write these words. And then at the end, I will sign my name, just like it happens in every executive's office everywhere we go. You guys understand what I'm saying? This is what's going on. And Paul knew that he wanted to be an encouragement, but he couldn't do it because of a lack of eyesight. So what did he do? He grabbed somebody and said, I can't do the thing. Will you be a partner with me? 
Will you be a tool of change for me? Will you work alongside of me? And you be that tool, and I'll be a tool, and together we'll see God's work done. He made concessions. He didn't say, well, since I can't do it all and do it all by myself or get all the credit, I'm not going to do it. I'm sure none of y'all have ever thought any of that stuff at home or at work or any of that stuff, right? But let's just pretend that we know somebody who did. Why? They just need to pull somebody else in and let their gifts be the thing that overcomes that weakness. It's God dependence, but it's also dependence on others. It's important, important stuff. Let's go to this next slide. There's five free tools. I'm going to keep moving, but there's five free tools if you want to take a quick picture. There's five free ones that are basically, they can get you started to make incredible changes in your life. In any way that you want to change, these five tools can get you there. Just take a quick picture and then do that later. If you need any help, give me a call, shoot me a text, whatever it might be. All right, three, two, one. What to leave behind. Oh, flip it back one more time. I was at four, right? Four, three, two, one. All right, here we go. Let's go to this next one. What to leave behind. We talked about what we need to bring. We need to bring tools and a mindset of not apologizing for our limitations, but embracing them. And then what do we leave behind? We leave behind ways of living today that are defined by past failures, hurts, and happenings. In other words, something might have happened to you. Something might have hurt you. Somewhere along the line, you failed because everybody has. And in the midst of it all, your way of living today is defined by that thing that happened in the past, and that cannot be. Because forgetting those things which are behind me and pressing towards those things that are ahead, I press on towards the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You see what Paul is saying? I can't get caught up in 2020 or 2021 when I'm here firmly planted in 2022 this is the only day that I can make a difference in don't let failures hurts or happenings change you how many of you guys have ever heard of a lady by the name of Helen Keller I'm ending real quick you've heard of Helen Keller you might have known that she was blind and that she was deaf did you know that she wasn't born that way she actually wasn't born that way she was born whole able to hear and able to see but at about the age of 18 or 19 months, she caught something, some sort of infection, and probably it was scarlet fever, but something along those lines. When that happened, it took her eyesight and it took her ability to hear. So from about 19 months old, she was not able to see or hear. It just happened to her. It happened to her, it wasn't her fault. She was a 19-year-old or 19-month-old child. She had no way of avoiding this thing that happened. Talk about derailing and defining. This woman had every reason to do nothing. She couldn't learn. She couldn't hear. How could she possibly communicate? How could she possibly be educated? And yet you know the story of Helen Keller, a woman who became basically a, a model of education, a model of intelligence, and an inspiration to literally hundreds of thousands and millions of people. She was voted as one of the 100 most influential people in the, uh, in the 20th century. So she easily could have been defined by past failures, hurts, and happenings. Easy, but she did not. And here's what she said. 
Although the world is full of suffering, it also is full of the overcoming of it. Now, I want to be very gentle with what I'm about to say. I don't know what is that thing that defines you or derails you. It may be something that happened to you. It may be something that you feel you did wrong. It was a failure on your part. Fine. But here is what I would share with all of us. Whatever it was, the only reason that it still has power is that you are allowing it to control you. God has said in his word, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. That's in Romans chapter 8 verse 1. In other words, whatever happened in the past is not something that you have to be dealing with constantly in your own mind and heart. He can forgive you and let you live a different life. You may have to slog through some consequences, but he will walk alongside of you. It's God dependence, not perfection. And this is what we need, and this is where we find true happiness. And I don't know where you are on your journey, but there's a video that I shared with you guys a couple weeks back, and it's called New, and I'm gonna show it to you after two quick slides. First one is the big question, and that, and that is this, this. What failure, hurt, or happening are you still allowing to chain you down today and also, by the way, in your tomorrows? And then here's how you apply it. You find what the hurt is, and then you find out what the tool is to overcome it. So you identify that thorn, that thing that you got, and then you identify the tool to overcome it and what that looks like. This is how you make this message something that can change your path in the next few weeks, days, months, even hours. Let it be something that God uses to be a blessing and a catalyst and a turning point for you. Let's check out this new video. I think you'll like it. The new year is often a time of reflection a chance to look back on the past 365 days and remember. Sometimes the memories bring a smile, and other times they break our hearts. Chances are you've experienced a bit of both this past year. The new year is also a time to look ahead, to imagine what could be, to scan the horizon with expectation and seek God's guiding hand. It's a time to strive for better, to live louder, love stronger, and be more of who God has created us to be. It's an opportunity for new beginnings, a chance to start fresh, to pursue God with a renewed passion, and to press on with all our hearts. The truth is, God has been faithful this past year, and that faithfulness promises to carry us through the next. As the new year begins, may we remember this one simple truth. In Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come.